0: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond.
2: I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. The case ended up going cold
3: and she was never located or heard from.
4: One of the biggest things I told the detectives was I want... Any of his victims to come to light because I don't want any other family to go through what we went through for 16 years.
3: This is by far the craziest story I've ever worked on, and maybe the craziest story I work on for a long, long time.
1: In June of 2005, 21 year old Ashley Marie Parlier disappeared from her home in Battle Creek, Michigan.
3: Parlier, according to her sister, had stormed out of their home in Battle Creek.
1: Marshall Keeley is a reporter with WNEP in Northeast Pennsylvania. Her sister
3: lived a few miles away in a different town. But her parents told her that they had approached Ashley Marie, who was 21 years old at the time, because she had started to show that she was pregnant. She had a small frame. And they were seeing signs that she was, in fact, pregnant. Here's Ashley's sister, Nicole Campen.
4: So they suspected that she was pregnant. She was very tiny and petite, and she was clearly showing. And they kind of confronted her and said, you know, we're not going to influence you either way. If you want to keep the baby, that's fine. But you need to go to the doctor and get prenatal care. If you don't want to keep the baby, we'll support that as well. And she didn't want to admit that she was pregnant so she got angry and walked off and my parents just assumed she was 21 she needed time to cool down she was upset that they were confronting her so they but she didn't have a cell phone cell phones weren't as prevalent back in 2005 that was 16 years ago and so it's not like they could reach out and just call her cell phone or text her they uh they just thought they were giving her some space and she never came home
1: at first ashley's family thought maybe she was just upset and staying with her boyfriend to avoid them or something like that.
4: We're a small town Michigan family. This doesn't this happens on TV. This doesn't happen to a family like ours and they filed the police report thinking they'd go over to her boyfriend's house and tell her to at least acknowledge my parents and nothing to be found of her or where she went. Um they investigated my parents they investigated the boyfriend that we knew of and just nothing ever came of any of it nothing came of the case over the last 16 years
3: after she was reported missing they looked at the father pretty heavily and they searched the area around his home and they looked at the boyfriend pretty heavily and searched the area around his home but nothing ever came of it and investigators told me that the case went cold after a few years Bow Creek Police Department
0: started an investigation in 2005, including the assistance of a a media campaign. Um, the, The case ended up going cold, and she was never
3: located or heard from.
1: The case would stay cold for well over a decade, until January of 2021, when a call from investigators in Pennsylvania would breathe new life into the investigation.
3: They just said, we have new evidence, the case has been reopened, and we're searching again for her body. Thirteen years
1: after the disappearance of Ashley Marie Parlier, and over 500 miles away, another woman named Tiana Phillips, a 25-year-old mother of two, would go missing from the small borough of Berwick, Pennsylvania, about a 45-minute drive southwest from the city of Wilkes-Barre.
3: She was uh, living in Berwick, Pennsylvania, at the time, and um, from what police know she had never left that town, essentially. She had no passport. She had uh, no credit cards. Um, There was basically just her in Berwick. In the summer of 2018,
1: Tiana Phillips was living in a small apartment complex on West Front Street in Berwick with an on-again, off-again boyfriend. In June, that pendulum seemed to be swinging back toward the off-again side of things, at least according to a friend who got a phone call from Tiana on the night
3: of Wednesday, June 13th. She reached out to a friend one night after a a fight and said, I need a place to stay. I got to get out of the house. And the friend said, "Okay, come on over. So the friend tells police that that night Tiana showed up at her door and was there for just a little while before she said, "Okay, a Dave, a man named Dave, is coming to pick me up and take me somewhere. She didn't really say. Tiana had been seeing Dave for
1: quite a while, and the friend would later tell police that he was someone Tiana trusted. So
3: police found in later interviews um, with family members, with including Tiana's sister, that Tiana had been in about a year-and-a-half-long relationship outside of her relationship with her then-boyfriend um, with this man named Dave. And that... They had been kind of off again, on again, and he had been, you know, coming, driving from his home in Duncannon, which is about two hours, I guess, from Berwick, um, and, and coming to see her with regularity. So there was a sense that like, people knew who Dave was and that he was seeing Tiana, but didn't know much more about him.
1: The friend told police that Dave pulled up and Tiana left her apartment. She said she couldn't see the vehicle because of where he was parked, but that she heard them drive off. The next thing the
3: friend knows, Tiana's walking out the door and leaves, she believes, with a man named Dave. And that's the last time anyone ever heard from her or saw her.
1: Days and then weeks went by without word from Tiana. And family members who might've brushed it off at first grew increasingly
3: concerned. Time started going by months passed. She was missing birthday parties. She wasn't reaching out to her um, her friends, her, her cousins, her family members. And about a month later, um, I believe it was in August, late August, she was reported missing by
1: her cousin. Tiana's sister told police she tried everything and anything to publicize Tiana's disappearance. She set up a Facebook page called Bring Home Tiana and checked in on it every single day. She also reached out directly to several people in Tiana's life, including
3: Dave, whose full name is Harold David Hallman. He had conversations with Tiana's sister over text message and over Facebook Messenger saying, have you seen Tiana? Do you know where she is? This was the day that Tiana was finally reported missing. There's a conversation back and forth that was given to police between Tiana's sister and Hallman. Hallman said, quote, I don't know where she is. I haven't talked to her in months. And then later on, quote, I can't remember the last time I saw her exactly. I offered to come up and give her a ride. And I was on my way. When I was on my way, she called and told me she had a ride. And then the the sister questions and says, Others are saying that the last time she was seen with anyone, she was leaving with you. And he claims... Well, that person is lying. Hallman, or Dave, told a similar story to Berwick police
1: when they reached out to him on August 21st, the same day Tiana was reported missing by her cousin.
3: He was questioned by the Berwick police department on this matter. And he said the same thing, that he traveled to pick Phillips up, that he was going to pick up Tiana, and that she canceled on him at the last moment. So he just turned around and went home. So that was that.
1: More than two years would go by without sign of Tiana Phillips and without answers as to where she was, what might have happened to her. Then in the winter of 2020, a second woman would go missing from the same area,
3: from nearby Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Two and a half years later, uh, a woman named Erica Schultz is reported missing in december of 2020
4: schultz was reported missing on december 6th when her sister contacted bloomsburg police the sister told police schultz who had autism and diabetes was last seen the evening of december 4th eric Fay was her neighbor
1: yeah i saw signs all over the telephone poles she was a nice and she was well liked among her peers She's a good worker at Wise's. There were a handful of clear similarities between the disappearance of Erica Schultz and the disappearance of Tiana Phillips two and a half years earlier. Schultz, at age 26, was only a year older than Phillips. Bloomsburg is only about 13 miles from Berwick. And they'd both been in touch
3: with the same man, Harold David Holman. Dave. She'd been having conversations with Dave over a dating site. And investigations showed that Hallman, Dave, was the last person to have contacted her.
0: In an interview with a male friend of Schultz, police say Schultz had expressed concerns to her friend about going out with a man called Dave. He asked her not to go if she was so concerned, but she responded, I'll just see how it goes. On the night she went missing, police say Hallman surprised Schultz at her apartment and asked her to go for a drive. Through a search of her phone records, it was discovered that Erica's last communication was an inc- incoming text from a cell phone number that said, surprise, and knock, knock.
1: On December 26, 2020, a few weeks after Erica Schultz was reported missing, police would find Holman walking along railroad tracks in Duncannon, Pennsylvania, where, according to their records, he was attempting to
3: take his own life. Police say he got a box cutter out and cut his arm. And then he started saying things like, I, I need to die for my sins. Let me die. And he's taken to the hospital, and that's where this interview between him and police begins.
1: This interview would quickly turn into a confession. Police records say Holman referenced, quote, the girl from Berwick then began to confess to killing Tiana Phillips two and a half years earlier. He told them he killed Phillips in a wooded area on Hobby Road in Butler Township, Pennsylvania, just east of where she was last seen in Berwick. He said he picked her up that night in June, drove her out to Butler Township, and walked her into the woods, saying they were going to build a campfire.
3: And as they were walking into the woods, he pulled out a hammer. She was walking ahead of him. He strikes her in the head three to four times, and then stabs her and slashes her throat and he told he told officers that um that he stabbed her everywhere he then went back to his car removed his clothing and threw the hammer and the knife that he used into the river the Susquehanna River just as he's driving tosses it into the river and then drove back to Duncannon, where he told his wife that he had killed Phillips. Holman said he returned
1: to the scene a few months later, put some of Phillips' remains in a trash bag, and threw them in a dumpster. He also said his wife was with him that day, and that he had previously confessed to her. Police interviews with Holman's wife, who says they've been separated since 2020, would back up his story. So it matches completely what his wife told police she would tell investigators she found out about an ongoing affair between her husband and Tiana Phillips, and that when she found out, Holman said he was going to kill Tiana.
3: But she didn't believe him. She's not taking him seriously. Um, Holman tells his wife that he's going to go scout out a spot. And this is on the day that Tiana disappeared. And Holman's wife tells police that he comes back the next morning and says, I did it. I killed Tiana. Still, Holman's wife says she didn't believe him until he showed her photographs of a body. And she said that she was in complete, you know, completely shocked, completely horrified to see these photos that Holman had just showed her. But the the gap in the in the story here is months go by and nothing
1: is said. In September, she says Holman drove her out to the scene, picking up trash bags at a convenience store on the way.
3: The wife says once they pull up to Hobby Road, he gets out and he's gone for about 20 minutes. She sees him come back out of the woods and it appears there's something in the trash bag. Holman told police in an interview later that he collected Philip's skull. Some of her bones, which had been picked over by animals, he said. He collected a sweatshirt. He collected a, a, just a, a collection. He had a collection of her body parts in this trash bag.
1: Holman's wife says he then brought the trash bag back to the car and drove to an AMC theater in Columbia County outside of Berwick.
3: He goes to the rear of the AMC and disposes of that trash bag in a dumpster and then drives away.
1: Holman himself told detectives about all of this during his initial interview at the hospital, even showing them on a map where he says he killed Tiana Phillips. But to this day, investigators have been unable to locate any of Phillips' remains that might have been left
3: in the area. Phillips' body has, has never been discovered. So that's the, that's the question here. Did it really happen there? We don't know for sure because she's never, her, her remains have never turned up. But police would
1: find other human remains in that wooded area. On December 27th of 2020, the day after Holman's interview with police at the hospital, they would find the body of Erica Schultz right where Holman told them he killed Tiana Phillips.
4: For weeks, the hopes here in Bloomsburg were that someone would find 26-year-old Erica Schultz of Bloomsburg alive and okay. Those hopes were dashed after her body was found beaten and stabbed in this wooded area in Butler Township, Luzerne County. I just wish that it would, that would have had a better outcome. Was, you know, I wish that they found her. You know, everybody was hoping that they would find her safe and it's unfortunate that it turned out like that. State police arrested 42 year old Harold Hallman and charged him with criminal homicide, kidnapping and abuse of corpse for killing Schultz. During a news conference, the Luzerne County District Attorney said investigators tracked down Hallman through Schultz's cell phone records and interviews with her friends and discovered Hallman and Schultz
0: met through a dating website. The DA did say that Hallman admitted to killing Schultz. Walking her into the woods and hitting her with a mallet-type hammer and stabbing her several times, leaving her where she lay.
1: Holman would be charged with criminal homicide in the deaths of both Tiana Phillips and Erica Schultz. But there's something he said to investigators during another police interview on January 4th, 2021, that's led them to believe there might be more than two victims.
3: This really might not be it. He's been charged with two, but he said something in this criminal complaint asking if he was going to be charged
1: with all three. Police say Holman asked if all three cases would be combined. The Erica Schultz case, the Tiana Phillips case, and
3: a third case, that of Ashley Marie Parlier. And this came as a surprise I would assume, to investigators, because Ashley Marie Parlier disappeared from her home in Battle Creek, Michigan, back in
1: 2005. Investigators in Michigan have said Holman is now a person of interest in their investigation into Parlier's disappearance.
3: David Holman became a person of interest that was not previously disclosed in the original investigation by Battle Creek Police Department what i gathered from my interview with investigators in michigan is that he did provide some small details as to where ashley marie could be he didn't outright confess to it as he did with erica schultz and tiana phillips though so it's it's really it remains to be seen what's going to happen with that case and if investigators are going to have enough evidence to to really put any charges on him at all. Because, it, you know, that happened in 2005. The chances of finding her remains at this point have to be slim to
1: none. Ashley's sister, Nicole Campen says she'd never heard the name Harold David Holman until this past January.
4: So I guess he mentioned her name back in January. And our original detectives, which were Battle Creek detectives, reached out to me to say... We're getting some movement. Um, We want to keep you informed. And they knew my parents both passed last year. So I'm basically it now. Uh, And then as things progressed, we got into March, April. I was getting more and more feedback about this gentleman. I don't recognize him. I don't know if my parents would if they were still here, if they would recognize his face or his name, but I don't.
3: So you never, you never even heard your your sister utter that name for a uh, Dave, as he's been known to some. Mm-mm.
4: Okay, nope.
3: Um, obviously, you know this is still a very painful time for you, but but having a little bit of of traction and the the hope still that there could be an answer finally, what is that like for you?
4: Um, it's it's definitely closure, knowing that. You because know, you always have those fears of, you know, was she taken and held for years on end? And, you know, so it, it's, a, it's solace that that wasn't the case, but and it's closure to have a name and a face and potentially find remains. But it's also really hard that this didn't happen two, three, four years ago when my parents were still alive.
3: What is your hope for for the future now? What is uh, what are you most looking forward to, I guess, out of all of this?
4: I mean, I definitely want justice for my sister, you know, and I definitely want justice for these two other women. I just can't. I'm One of the biggest things I told the detectives was, I want any of his victims to come to light because I don't want any other family to go through what we went through for 16 years.
1: While reporting on the cases of Tiana Phillips, Erica Schultz, and Ashley Parlier, Marshall Keeley decided to look into Harold David Hallman's past. And he was met with yet another
3: shocking discovery. The Luzerne County District Attorney told me that Hallman was convicted of manslaughter in Rammstein, Germany, back in the late 90s. Apparently, this was a U.S. colonel's son, a U.S. Air Force colonel's son. The two of them went on a camping trip, it looks like. And according to the District Attorney... There was some sort of altercation, and the colonel's son was killed, and Hallman claimed self-defense in the case. He was ultimately convicted and sentenced to four years um, before being deported back to the United States. So this happened off of a U.S. military base. We're not sure yet if Hallman was stationed over there. We know he was charged as a juvenile. So you would assume then that the punishment he faced was lessened because back in the back in those days, the I, I think it has changed now, but in the late 90s in Germany, you were charged as a juvenile up until the age of 21. So anyone over the age of 21 would be charged as an adult. Anyone under 21 would have been charged as a juvenile, even though I think he was over 18 at that point. So he was sentenced to four years, deported back to the U.S., and got out. Went back somehow to, we then know the next in the timeline would be 2002 when he is in Battle Creek, Michigan. And then at some point, he comes down to in Pennsylvania. 19 years later, Harold David
1: Hallman is back behind bars in Pennsylvania, now charged in connection to the deaths of Tiana Phillips and Erica Schultz.
3: We know he's already in Luzerne County Prison and he's not going anywhere for the time being. Um, I don't know the exact date of when he's going to be tried or or where the case is going to go from here. But he told police that he's not interested in a trial. So I don't know where where that leaves us um, in terms of seeking justice for these victims there are just so many unanswered questions they may come out in trial in the future they may come out from future interviews with other people but this is by far the craziest story i've ever worked on and maybe the craziest story i work on for a long long time
0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com/slash Odyssey.
2: Hey, True Crime Chronicles listeners. This is Spencer Brudig. I'm here with Reed Redman and Will Johnson. Reed, this is a, uh, a I mean a serial killer case. I mean, really bizarre connections all throughout it. I wanna start with uh, this this letter that Hallman gave to his wife. We heard in the episode that, you know, at first, uh, Harold, David Holman's wife, did not fully believe him. And then he ends up writing this letter to her. Can you kind of tell us more about that? Yeah. One thing I'll point out that just
1: isn't super clear in all of this, at least based on the police documents, is when exactly Holman's wife was in contact with the police, when she went to the police. But we do know there was a period of over a year where she had all this information that he'd told her and was still living with him. And what she told police is that, you know, it was terrifying and he would make threats to her, telling her that she would be in legal trouble herself if she ever went to the police because of what she knew. She's not facing charges. But then, as you mentioned, amid all of this, at one point, uh, the way that she told police, he was apparently trying to get back in her good graces after they'd split up, and he gave her a confession letter. Uh, This was in the summer of 2020, and I don't know if it was supposed to be a sign of trust or what, what the goal was, but he wrote down in pretty graphic detail, how he says he killed Tiana Phillips and he signed it, I have it pulled up here writing, I, Harold David Holman III, committed this crime on my own and of my own free will. And we know that his uh, his wife has since given this letter to law enforcement, but as I mentioned, we don't know exactly when that was. Reid, I want to talk about when Harold Holman is in Germany. I know you talk about it. Is there anything else about that? I'll call it more than an incident. He was put behind bars for manslaughter for four years. Anything else we know about that? Yeah, this was all developing as I was working on this episode, and I'll tell you, I I didn't expect the story to take us to Germany. Marshall Keeley told me he's actually been able to track down the father of the young man who was killed in Germany. Uh, he's an Air Force colonel who lives in the US now, was living in Germany then, and the father confirmed to Marshall that his son was killed by Harold David Holman, and of course, we know that Holman was convicted in that case, but... I mean, just looking at, at all four of the cases that that he's been connected to in, in some way now, not not charged in all of them, but if these are all connected and tied to the same person, we're talking about someone who was involved in at least four homicides across two countries and two U.S. states over the span of 21 years. And when you put it in that perspective, it's just astounding.
2: Read with the uh, the three women that, you know, are potentially linked all together by, you know, being murdered by this guy. Uh, I know that you had mentioned some similarities between all the cases and and victims, but there are more similarities uh, between these four uh, cases, right? Right.
1: So, of course, there were the similarities mentioned earlier in the episode between Tiana Phillips and Erica Schultz. They're about the same age. They lived in the same area. They both met Holman online Uh, But then, importantly, there are also some pretty clear similarities to the Ashley Parlier case. She was 21, so a few years younger, but still around the same age as Phillips and Schultz. Uh, And she went missing under pretty similar circumstances to Tiana Phillips. Phillips was reportedly in a fight with her boyfriend. Parlier was fighting with her parents. They were both, by the sound of it, looking for someone they could stay with temporarily And then another potentially noteworthy detail is that Erica Schultz and Ashley Parlier were both on the autism spectrum. So there are questions about if that had something to do with why they were targeted. Parlier's sister specifically has said that her sister was really trusting and and she was often worried that someone could take advantage of that, that a stranger could take advantage of that. Uh, So we don't know, you know, if these similarities between these three different cases are Coincidences, or if they might actually be a link that could ultimately connect them to one perpetrator. And that could be a really important piece of the ongoing investigation, considering Holman has only been charged in two of these three cases. All right, Reed Redman, thanks for bringing us the story this week. We'll be back next week with a story about a double murders that took place in Breckenridge, Colorado, years and years ago, some new developments, really wild story and a tragic case dealing with with two women. Uh, Spencer, now seems like a good time to ask about the Facebook group. How are things?
2: Uh, you know, things are going well on there. Uh, we have a Facebook group called Inside the Crime Vault. Uh, it's got over 6,000 members now. Uh, so we'd love to see you on Facebook where you can chat with us and other like-minded true crime fans about this case and others. All right. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redman and Spencer Brudig. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.